0: Welcome to the Understanding Projects podcast. My discussion today is with Colleen McCann. Colleen's background includes managing robotics and automation projects. She's the founder of a consulting and training website and is a published author. She is also a colleague as she is a research project manager at Conestoga College. We talked about a number of topics related to the people side of projects, including balancing the PM's responsibility for the project's results with their level of control, managing versus leading and creating a positive environment for the team. We also talked about communication and the use of neuro-linguistic programming techniques when interacting with others. Here is my discussion with Colleen McCann. So when I was, I was, uh, Reading your your article that you posted on, on LinkedIn, Colleen, and and I was I was struck by some of the common themes that when you were when you were talking about and this is the the article is called Taking Responsibility the Right Way, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I highly recommend um, reading it for anyone who who would like to read this article. Uh, and I was highly struck by the experience you were describing. Uh, is something that I've experienced and it resonated with me. And just a couple of quotes that I'll, that I'll just quote from is, um, you know, just quoting from your article, like, well, guess what? My laser focus on the team's metric and paperwork efficiency only served to piss them off. Terribly unsurprising, I, I, I know. It was therefore on me to uh, both be informed and double check, double check what my team was doing. Uh, so I could answer for anything they did because how else was I supposed to know? So you were sort of reflecting on this is that you were assuming you should do this as a as a PM. You should check on everything and double check, um, you know, be on top of things, but you were irritating them. And and so th- that to me was gone, yep, I've been there, experienced mm-hmm. that. And so, so uh, you know, um, how did you... How, uh, How how did it, how did you come to that realization or tell, you know, tell me a little bit about that journey of. of that. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, I mean, it, it, it is the number one paradigm of project management is that you are responsible for the project as the project manager, you're responsible for everything that happens. And I think too often people conflate being responsible with actually doing the work or overseeing it in some fashion, having your hands on it in, in some way. And, um, and I think I kind of put it in the article as well that I thought, oh my gosh, you know, when I got into the world of project management and I started working at it, and I was like, oh, the success of this project rests on me and I have to answer for it if, if, if I fail. Um, like only masochists want to do this. This is hard work, right? I don't have enough time in my day to do my work and then check on everybody else's because again, how are you supposed to be in touch with your project? If you're not looking over people's shoulders, it just never occurred to me that I could take ownership over something that was never mine to do in the first place. And so they kind of just based off of my experience, and and I I kind of wrote this because I knew I wasn't the only one going through this, that other people were doing this as well. And um, it was just me realizing that there is to let go, right, to not be that micromanager. Project managers are not synonymous with micromanaging. To let go and say, listen, If I don't have, if I have my head in the weeds, in everybody's details, I'm missing really big things. And as the leader of the team, um, it's, it's my responsibility to have my head up, to see what's coming and to, you know, make compensations as I need to, right? Like it's my job to look out for my team. And I can't do that if I'm constantly looking over their shoulders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think it was, I don't know who, who wrote this quote, but it's, it's super powerful quote. You manage things, but you lead people. And yes, a project is a thing and you have to manage it That's you know, there are structures and frameworks and, and methodologies in place that'll allow for success, but your team or your, sorry, your project is made up of people and you have to lead them. And that's, doing the work for them, checking their work, everything that they do, it's not, that's not leadership. That's not like, why do you even have a team?
0: Right. right. I, I agree with you completely. And I, I've often thought that people that get into that, you, you sort of mentioned who would want to do this role, like, mm-hmm. you know, but I think people who aspire to this role of project, of leading projects, project manager, are often they're often high performers. They're often, they're often, they can, you know, there, there is a, a, um, a systematic, you, you, you're you attracted to project management if you like, I think, like process and like the structure yes. things and like to keep. So, so you have all these skills often, usually, and I don't want to speak broadly, but, but often types and, and sometimes there's a bit of a type personality in there as well. Yeah. And it's easy to misdirect that into micromanaging into looking over people's shoulders and saying you know oh i don't like the way you do that move aside and i'll do it and and it's just extremely counterproductive to your to your team and and you know irritates them demotivates them and so on and and so you know i think that's that's some of what you're saying is that it's it's just easy to fall into that but you've got to kind of pull yourself back from that and not do that
1: There is that, but there's also like, so when I I started in my first career as a project manager, there were already project managers within the company. And so you hear about them, oh, you're the new project manager. Oh, have you met, you know, your colleagues? And oh, this guy's really, really good. Are you going to be like him? Are you going to be like a project manager, junior, whatever his name is, right? And I had that. And I was like, wow, you know, I've got big shoes to fill, and you want to, you know, you're you're held up to other people's standards, and it just happened to be for me that the person that um, the other project manager was an extremely skilled technician. He would kind of come up from from that role, and he was able to do everything. He was able to put together the project plans. He was able to do the forecasting and the the financial stuff. But he also did the work and that was kind of and there was some of that expectation on or I I believe that there was some expectation like that on me because everyone was talking about, oh, you know, you got big shoes to fill. So, yeah, I looked out and was like, okay, this guy does everything. Maybe that's what I need to be. And that that was kind of counterintuitive because there were things that while he would get the work done there were things that he wasn't able to do because he was getting the work done. And that would be things like forecasting, resource management. When you need a resource to do something and you don't have it and you can do it, you don't tell anybody that you don't have it, you just go and do it. So when the company thinks that, oh, everything's okay, our resource levels are good, let's tackle this project, let's set these targets. You have a gap that you don't know about, right?
0: So- There's only so many hours in the day and yeah. if you are and, and and that's where the person like that, and, I, and I've and I've experienced that before as well, as if you have the ability to work at you know, and do the work yourself, sometimes it's the work you really like to do. You know, it may Mm -hmm. have been something that you did before the reason, you know, and you were promoted up out of it because you did that work so well, you were promoted into the senior role and then the project manager. But, you know, in some ways you kind of go in a given day, well, I could do the forecasting or I could could think about ways to motivate the team or, or look at hiring the next people coming in. Or I could... You know program that cool module to do x y or z yes. and i want to program the cool module because that's what yeah. i like to do
1: that was absolutely my experience i just kind of like i started um when i started working i started out as a robot tech i worked on robots i worked on plcs i worked on mes i kind of built my way up and then i did some project management and so it was kind of like a graduation for me and so I didn't just fall into project management. So yeah, there's there's technical stuff, in my background, that's what I knew. And so absolutely, you're familiar with that, you're comfortable in that role and you fall back on that role. But then when you have larger projects, like your budget starts stretching into multi-million dollars and you've got teams now, you've got staff and you think you're gonna do the work of 10 or 15 people, good luck.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and so how do you, how do you stop yourself from doing it? Like, do you consciously stop or is it just, you, you kind of go, I don't have enough time anyway. So, you know, yeah. did you sort of, did you sort of, I guess, sort of Um. you, you sort of had to move out of it because your projects got too big. So, or did you consciously say, okay, I got to stop micromanaging that guy.
1: It was a little bit of both. Actually. Um, I had, I had a good influence. My former general manager was, um, Definitely someone who who was tanking like a mentorship role in my career. And he would always tell me, listen, if I catch you with a teach pendant in your hand, you're in big trouble, <laughs> right? with the robot teach pendant. Yeah. So he, there, was, there was that influence from him to say, hey, listen, I know this is your background, but it's not what you do today. It's what you did. Um, so there was that, and there was, yeah, just, there's not enough hours in the day. I was just hyper-stressed out and, and yeah, you don't want to piss off your, your team, right? That's, that's not how productive work gets done. And eventually they'll just be like, eh, you do it, right? Right? <laughs> Push people far enough. You're, you're going to get the pushed back. So okay. there was a combination of both where I was like, you know, I'm, I'm being, I'm being asked to to think more strategically. I'm being asked to look at things from a different viewpoint and I'm not getting the effect that I want from my team. So maybe I need to look at myself and kind of go for some self-reflection. So that's kind of how it started. Um, so yeah, a little, little bit of both. It's interesting. You should be talking about
0: mentorship because somebody mentored you because that's like extremely important to to find those mentors as as you go when you it reminded me of a mentor that i had on on this subject um this was way back many many years ago at a previous company uh is a a cio of the company brian gill uh basically was when we we were working on a on a program together and basically his message was if you assemble a good team and give them a challenge you know if they're competent they they good they're effective team just give them the challenge and more or less get out of the way and, and he was very strong on that message and that's that resonated uh, and, it, and certainly not always if you have somebody who doesn't know how to you, you may have to give more direction in some cases but it was sort of the the essence of that is don't get in their way and micromanage them that's not your role as as leader and project manager so it's it's listening to those key messages that you get along the way
1: yeah, I'm so I on the mentorship topic. I've actually been extremely fortunate. So I had that um, that mentorship from from someone who was a senior manager, which is fantastic. And I can't I can't recommend it enough in terms of how important it is for your career and your career progression to find somebody who is you know who who is above you, who can kind of guide you a little bit. And that's not to say that they hold your hand because that's certainly not what happened. Um, he was a general manager. He had other things to do, but it's that that advice, that little shift in direction every now and then. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to experience it from both ends. I've had that mentorship and I'm also uh, active with Big Sisters. So I mentor uh, younger girls as well. So I know it's actually from, from that kind of thing where... The general manager, when he was mentoring me, I know he gave a lot to me, but I know that I gave things back to him as well, because my little sister does that too. Like with mm-hmm. the, with the mentorship that I have with her, it's, she teaches me just as much as I teach her. So having experienced that was, it, it's, it's very special, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it, it's important to have that and that the shift that it brings, um, I, I, he tried to impart his his best advice, but sometimes you have to be in the right place, the right moment where it clicks. And for me, that was actually unrelated to work. It was actually um, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, a former U.S. Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink. Yes, he does podcast. Okay, so yep. I follow him as well. And mm-hmm. the the way that he was kind of describing the ex- the principles of extreme ownership, that for me was the aha moment where it was like, I don't have to be the way that I am. I don't have to know what everybody's doing. I just have to say, yep, I'm the project manager and it, something didn't work. I obviously wasn't the one who was supposed to do the work, but I'm going to find out what went wrong, what we can do to fix it and what we can put in place in the future. Like, And, and just say, look, It falls on me, and I'm okay with that without having to sit and watch over everybody's shoulders and go, Yeah, that looks right. Okay. Yeah, that looks right. Because, you know, I don't have all the necessary skills to fulfill a project. Nobody does. That's why you have a team. And if you let them go, and like you said, you give them a challenge and you get out of their way and you make sure that they have what they need resource wise but also culture and space wise one of the things that that my mentor did for me and not just me but all for the for the staff that that were under him was to keep the politics away from them to shelter them from that and that's that's as a project manager that's part of what you have to do as well you have to create the space where they don't have to worry about things except the challenge that you put out for them
0: yeah, no, to keep the, he shield them from the BS of that, yep. that, is, that is happening around. Um, yeah, no, you, you mentioned uh, 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 Jocko. I, I came, at, I haven't followed his podcast directly, but he was on a, I, I follow uh, one of the, the podcasts I follow is Lex Friedman, which I heart highly recommend his podcast, but I think Jocko was on his. So I have come across, his 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 ideas and and should follow him a little bit more and also recommend podcasts for it's a great source of of information of that, you know of learning new concepts and so on. Um, but I, I I sort of equate that with what you were just saying with another quote from your article. It starts with accepting that mistakes will always happen, which is true. <laughs> there is no perfect project, so put that out of your mind. You know. And and they don't automatically equate to project failure. So you don't have to, what I, so that's the end of the quote. What I, what I take from that is you don't be paranoid that everything has to be exactly correct 100% and that it's up to you to, to be there, you know, is that you've got to trust your team and that, you know, you've got to balance off The chance of it being not done quite to how you would do it with the development of the team and the motivation of the team that if you get in there and correct them and 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 look over their shoulder and correct their mistake before it even happens um you're you're gonna you're gonna cause them to take their hands off the the the, you know the tools and say well you do it like you said before that
1: but also you're actually if you jump on board everything that your team does and you correct them before they make a mistake, you are not helping their career. Right. Because anybody can, can, can do, you know, when, when things are going well, it's very easy to maintain a ship. That's, you know, going in the right direction. It's when things get rough, that's when, you know, and, and it kind of like, see, my background is I, I, I came from automotive and when you build a car or you build a plane or any, any, anything, you take it to the most extreme environments, on the planet to test it. So you subject suspensions to thousands of hours of violent testing. When you test an airplane airframe, they'll crank the wings up and let them go until they break. You break things in order to to learn and to do better and to improve them. And so, yeah, my my anxiety around having a perfect project, having everything done, checking all the boxes, making sure all the QA assessments were, were just so, how do you learn from that? Right. You know? And so you can learn a lot from a failure. It's just uncomfortable.
0: Right. Really uncomfortable,
1: (laughs) but you can learn a lot from it. So that's (laughs) kind of my philosophy. And then when I kind of thought about that, I'm like, you know, my background is all about failure testing. Why am I so concerned with having everything perfect when Mm -hmm. you just can't achieve that?
0: yeah i mean failure is a, is a really good teacher um i mean as long as you're you know and again as leader you're you're trying to make sure that the major failures you know the the catastrophic failures there's processes around that but there's a little noise within the you know w- within the project um uh team members have a chance to learn like they're they 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 have a chance to grow like you said it it's it's good for their development and it's good for um you know early in my career, I I think I had the idea that I was, you know, that I always had the best idea that, that even when I came in to correct, if I did if I was going to come in to correct that I somehow knew the right answer. And there's a certain arrogance about that as well as, is, is, as, as you get older, I think you start to realize that sometimes somebody else has a different idea, often a better idea. And if you just stopped and let them work it through, you might kind of go, Oh, actually that's better. And yep. thanks for that. You know, good. And and that's that's when you you start to realize the, the the power of the team. It sometimes isn't a straight line. It bumps back and forth a little bit. But that that ability of people to experiment and and have some accountability for their own work creates a better thing in the in the end result.
1: Yep, absolutely. I the best thing you can do as a leader or a project manager, which is the same thing as being a leader um, is to believe in your team. Having somebody believe in you, even through the mistakes is one of the more powerful things that you can do for a person for their career, but also just for them personally. Right. And that's just to say, Hey, mistakes are going to happen. Let's look at it and let's, let's figure out how we can fix it, how we can turn it around and how we can make sure it doesn't happen again.
0: Yeah, right? no, I agree. And I agree with you saying that a, a project manager is a, like, is I agree with that that it, they should be synonymous the you know if it's if it's not if you're just checking boxes if you're just you know the one who's making sure okay there was there was 10 tasks to be done and we got 10 tasks done that that's a coordinator role like a project mm-hmm. coordinator or a, you know that that's a that's more of an administrative role but a true in my mind a true project manager is is, is there, there's a whole pile of leadership in there. It's, you know, we can, we can debate it how much, is it 50-50 or, you know, 70-30, but it's hugely leadership-based. Yeah, you know? well,
1: I, I personally look at it as thir- the, the, the rule of thirds. One mm-hmm. third of my job as a project manager is to know the 10 knowledge areas, know how to apply them, know the processes within them, have that stuck up on my wall and follow them, right? And the other third of that is being a good leader, a leader who can empower people and who can empathize with people because you just never know what your team does when they leave the walls of work or what's going on with them, right? Um, and then a th- the other third of that is communication, right? And my, my example is, um, you, you actually said it before, you're, you're attracted to, to this job if you're procedures, if you like procedures. I love procedures. I'm a procedures based person. I have procedures in my head for everything that I am constantly thinking in terms of those procedures. And when I would send an email to, to my, to my staff, you know, cause they have to go out, um, go for a meeting or for like field service or something, I would just inundate them with all this information because I, as the reader of that email, I would need to know A, B, C, D, and E. And so I would send it out to them and they would, they would read it and they would be like, does she think I'm stupid? Does she seriously think I can't get there? Are, and I don't know where I'm going? Like, you know, I'm not a child. And I never intended it that way, but that's how they, they perceived it. And so that whole communication of learning to speak other people's languages, that's kind of where that came in. And that was a, but that also was a huge learning experience for me as well, going, wow, you know, my messages can absolutely be interpreted the entirely wrong way of how I sent them Mm -hmm. so being able to kind of navigate how people see things and how people speak to themselves is also equal parts being a good project manager
0: yes and I and I think that's a good segue to your other another major publication that you've done is you published your 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 own book which Mm -hmm. I believe Teams performance method, I believe it's called.
1: Yep. Influential communication.
0: <laughs> yes. And I, and I think one of the things that's in the, the, I think the preface or early on in the introduction is, is you, you stated the meaning of your communication is not only what you intend, but also the response you get back. So that was a really interesting statement. So tell me a little more about what you mean by that.
1: Um. Well, in order for you to actually, it, we're having a conversation right now, which is entitling me to speak and you to listen. Right. But once the words come out of my mouth, I have no control over them. Right. And how you interpret it is framed based on the way that you see the world. And so while I could mean something benign, it might not be for you, right? And the example of that is, is somebody who just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again, like I heard you, but it's not, it's not sinking in. And that's just because you're communicating um, in, in your channel. And I used to always get this on my performance reviews, communicate, communicate, communicate. And I actually think I even put that in the book because that's what I would get as feedback. And, and, it, and I, it took me a long time. Okay. An embarrassingly long time to figure out that I was communicating like a champ, but it was in my channel. And my channel is only valid for me and so it was that realization that there were other the way that other people think and the way that other people see the world shapes how they hear my message and so that's really what drove me to write that book is because you don't have to you don't have to change who you are to to, to learn how other people how how other people's filters shape them and how you can communicate with them, because that's part of being a good leader is creating that space where they feel like you support them. And you do that by learning how they see the world and engaging with them in that way.
0: Um, I like the way you described in, in, when you were describing this point, you talked about, um, um, in a, in a type of, I think it was a type of programming that you did. Um, I don't have the actual the actual book in front of me, but you talked about how an individual perceives the different bits of their reality is called a meta filter. Yes. And I thought that was a really interesting concept is that people have, and if you kind of, you know, kind of almost imagine they have a filter in front of them and that things are filtering through. Yeah you know, like you gave an example of the, you know, the, the, the detailed person versus the, I just want the bottom line Yeah. person that's they're They're both filtering information. They're both getting the same communication, but it filters different. Yes. And then trying to figure that out.
1: Yeah. Is, is so my, my general manager was a big pictures person whenever he would email. So I would send him an email and I would just, you know, being the thorough employee that I am, I laid it all out and laid out, here's the situation, here's what we're doing, here's how we can, some mitigations, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know, a good paragraph. And he'd write back with a one sentence. And I'd just be like, oh my God, is he mad at me? Does he not think like, and I was just immediately took it on myself to be like, he's upset, what have I done? No, he's big picture. Like all he needed me to say was it's under control. And he'd been like, good, (laughs) Right? right? He didn't, and if he needed to know details, like big pictures. if they want to know details, they'll come to you and say, okay, so specifically what's, what's the margin? Where are we at now? You don't right. need to tell them he'll come at you. Right.
0: Yeah. I think your book describes a number of, of, of ways that you can figure out, uh, you know, figure out what, what people are, are, are where, where they're coming from, Um, you know, I know it's a big question, but what are are the techniques, like, how do you figure that out? Like, you know, is it just, is it just listen, you just hang around them long enough to go, okay, this, this person. You can, you can,
1: Uh, the reason why I wrote it and I I specifically wrote it. So the, the, the meta filters are based on uh, neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP principles. Um, That's, that's what you were, that's what you were thinking of. Um, And there are many of them, and yes, you can absolutely just listen for them conversationally. Um, now, th- it's kind of almost like like a personality tool where you ask questions and you can elicit some of these things. The biggest problem with, with other personality profiles like um, the, the, the Myers-Briggs, uh, if you will, like those kind of, of um, personality profiles is it doesn't distinguish context. So when I wrote my my book, the eliciting questions that I ask to to, to figure out these filters are business appropriate because you can't be asking personal questions in in the workplace. It's just just not appropriate. So all the way that I've designed the the questions, yes, sure, you can listen for them. And there are some um, key pointers that, that you can listen for. But again, that takes training and it's it's hard to pick up. It's hard to learn because it was for me. I spent a couple of years with my head immersed in this. Um, So I kind of came up with questions that are directly related to work and teams and positions. And so anything that's business appropriate. And so the format of the book is you you can ask these questions and you can listen for the response. And based on the response you get, you can tailor your language to, to, to that person's Um, viewpoint but also it'll give you a little highlights of how this person thinks right it's kind of like i don't want to use the word personality profiling because that's a dirty word but um it's just it's very much to to show you how they view the world versus how you view the world
0: right yeah i like i like your your approach because it seemed to be somewhat or it is it is more systematic uh, like there were like specific, like you said, listen for specific words or the way, you know, a, a lot of times um, it can be when you talk about, you know, stakeholder management and empathy and so on. It can be much more like can be very intuitive, but just like kind of mm-hmm. figure it out, like, you know, talk to them and you'll you'll get to sense what it is, but there's no real roadmap to do that. So I thought yeah. it was interesting, you know, and really useful to have, okay, this is, these are a few tells for, therefore, they're probably this type of, of, you know, they, they process information this way, which will help you if you understand that. You see, know.
1: that's, that's my, my procedure is shining through in my, yes, I so I know I could see that. I, it's exactly what you said. You can kind of figure it out. And some people, it's very intuitive. Some people just know this stuff. I'm not one of those people. I am actually a little socially awkward. So, I kind of designed that that book around my way of thinking and it's like so here's a procedure for how you can figure it out and here's some details because I'm also a details person of how that just generally how they think and what you know how different best ways to interact with them to make them feel comfortable around you and so that was kind of that was my way of, of filling that gap with something to say hey look there's there's a system that you can put to use if you're not a pro at it, because I'm not, I mean, yeah. there are some people that like NLP practitioners that make a career out of it and they've done it for a lifetime and, and they don't need something like this, but the rest of us kind of do.
0: Yes. well, oh, I agreed. Agreed. Part that really, you know, it was a, um, the part that just, I, I really uh, jumped out at me and I and I absolutely agree with, and it's one of the things with like some of the personality tests, Myers-Briggs and others, I, I don't know if they really speak to this as much or or sometimes it's confusing, where you were saying that, um, that people are sometimes different in their personal life, their home life compared to their business life.
1: And I always use the example of the CEO who at work is, hard charging, who will take risks to build his brand and his company. But do you think he will take risks with his family and their safety? No, he's a more away type. So the towards being, taking risk behavior and the away of being like, well, you know, what, what do we need to avoid? How do we mitigate it, potential of injury? How do I shelter my kids from, you know, um, bullying or, you know what I'm saying? They are completely different people in the different contexts. And that's part of why I really gravitated toward the NLP system because it recognized those differences. And that's why, like, if you do, cause in, um, in the course that I teach in the applied project, they actually start open the course with uh, Myers-Briggs, everyone did the 16 personalities. And um, if those questions are framing things around how you would do things outside of work, you very well could be eliciting the wrong filter from that individual and you're communicating with them in a way that just in the workplace, it's not what what they prefer. So that's why I, I went with the NLP route. Right, right.
0: No, and I think that's why I've, I've often struggled with the with the with the Myers-Briggs tests. I think I've taken them so many times, I, I'm starting to know what they're asking and which way it's like, so I'm starting to become too aware of the test. Um, but it is that sort of, well, it depends if you ask me, Within a business context or a home yeah. context, I'll answer, I'll answer the question differently. And just a just sort of a uh, an example of a sort of a interesting or funny example of this is I'm I'm currently wa- currently watching the my wife and I are watching the series on on Prime um, Yellowstone, which is a, a Kevin Costner uh, Montana based series, and they they show the main character Kevin Costner, who's a big ranch owner, is this ruthless you know ruthless character you know, in, in, in business and making hard decisions. And then they show him with his grandchildren, just, you know, by the, by the little pond and, you know, fishing and telling little stories and so on. And you can see graphically there's, there's, there's two people there, you know, in a way, you know, two personalities that we're seeing and it's very much, he, he would never be that kindly, you know,
1: in a business um, sense. Grandfather
0: yeah. in the business setting. Yeah. Would
1: never yeah, that's leave. so that's so normal. And yeah. some of these so, so it it works on a continuum. Um, it's not you're either this category, this category, and there's it it's like it's like a slider, you'll fall somewhere in, in the middle of, of with these filters. So you could be highly um aggressive or hard charging, or you could be more meek and, and quiet. Um, so yeah, so it, it works on that kind of continuum and it's, it's totally normal to, to shift um, within that. And also things that happen, like if you change jobs, potentially that could also shift a little bit the way that you, that you see, because for me, like I've had to become more big picture, more strategic thinking in, in a project manager role than I ever was as a robot programmer. Right. I never had to think big picture. I just concentrated on the robot and what it was doing. So yeah, these things are not fixed. They're not finite. And they there is perfectly normal to have big swings in, in how people can be in one context versus another context.
0: And so from a project manager point of view, so given all that, you know, and, and so from project manager, it's useful to understand these filters and the... The different types of, of communicators, and and again, I uh, highly recommend your your, your book, uh, Teams Performance Method, uh, Colleen McCann. Um, sure, you can find it on Amazon, or, or yep. if you, it's
1: available yeah. on Amazon.
0: And uh, but okay, so given that knowledge, and it's it's quite quite you know a detailed description of of this process. What does the project manager do? Like so, so working has a new team member, a stakeholder. You know, so is this a process of okay? Let's let's kind of let's kind of figure out what this person's about. You know, yeah. use your tools and techniques as best you can. You know, it would take some practice and so on. But that's you're sort of creating that sort of where where are they at now? I'll kind of you know, and and especially the home versus business. If we can sort of sort of say okay. Let's 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 observe them in the business context because that's where I'm working with them. Like yes. let's not be swayed by what they did on the weekend, but exactly. what they're doing yeah. in the business sense.
1: So how how a project manager actually goes about using this, I I it's the Bob and Brent story. So you're a project manager, you have Brent, or so you have Bob on your team who is an expert. He's close to retirement, you know, five years out. He knows everything about the business and the product, and then you've got Brent, who's younger, he's you know in his 30s or so, but he's a visionary. He 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 gets things done, and he thinks in ways that you know nobody else kind of does. And so you've got um, you've got your 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 tasks lined up, and basically Brent's task is an input for Bob's, and Bob is very rigid and structured, and he likes to work ahead as much as he can. And he comes to you and says, hey, listen, um, Brent. He's sending me stuff but he started at the end and I I'm, I'm, I need the stuff at the beginning Could you go talk to him right and you go to to, to to Brent and what do you say to him as a project manager how do you handle that situation you've got two options you can go okay Brent listen I know Bob's a bit of a, a bit of a stick in the mud um, but and, and I know that you know you've got a couple of days for, before your deadline you've never missed a deadline before I know you're gonna get it done but could you just just please for me? Just send him the stuff from the beginning first. And then you think, hey, okay, I've diffused it. Bob's happy. Brent's happy. And you leave Brent's office and Brent goes, Wow. You know, like this is this high work. You're you're telling me that you did work a different way and it's no big deal. Not be myself. Right? Right. So how how this works is you can go, okay, well, I know that Bob is procedures. I know that he's organized and I know that Brent has never missed a deadline and he's, he goes all over the place, but he gets the end result done. And so I have task F over here that takes two days and Bob is more than qualified to do it. So how would I approach Bob about that now? It's the second half. So you've, you've figured out a solution that will keep them both happy, but how do you broach the subject with Bob? You say, well, Bob, I know how much you like to work ahead and I I know how much, how important it is for you to keep projects on track. Um, Brent has never missed a deadline. I assure you he will get you what you need in in plenty of time to get your task done. If you want to help the project out, we could really use your uh, expertise on task F. It'll only take a couple of days of your time and you'll, you'll help us work ahead. And Bob goes, Oh yeah. Okay. No problem. And now both of them are happy. So that's how you apply it. Right. You learn how one person's strengths and the other person's strengths and you act as the middleman and figure out how the puzzle goes together.
0: Right. Between between them. You're almost the integrator, the the translator. Exactly. Different people. So, yeah,
1: that's, that's that's really, that's, that's what it is. That's how, that's how you, that's how you create that, that environment, that culture of support and valuing for everybody because how I work, like personally, I'm team Bob It's exactly. I'd be like, Hey man, you got to give me the stuff from the beginning first, but that's just me. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong.
0: Right. Right. No, I agree. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree And it. It's just that it keeps coming back to that common theme of, you know, understanding how people work, how they, what they're about, you know putting yourself i think i think you mean in their shoes if you mm-hmm. can do that and and you've got a great you know uh a great a great methodology for doing that in your in your in your book so so it, it's really good again i recommend it so um anyways uh colleen i there's been a, a great discussion i've been really enjoyed uh talking to you and and uh, your ideas around motivation and 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 how to interact with your teams and communicate and the, and the whole concept of the, 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 um, uh, meta filter, I think, uh, I think it was, yeah, meta filter is, uh, is really interesting. Uh, so it's been great talking to you. It's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure.
1: Well, thank you, Dave. It's been great being here and I've, I love your podcast. <laughs> I do well, follow you. it. <laughs>
0: thank
1: you. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Okay. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Colleen McCann. It's obvious that Colleen thinks a great deal about teamwork, communication, and how to best interact with others during a project. As mentioned, she's the author of the book, Teams Performance Method, Your Rescue Guide for Influential Communication, available on Amazon. If you like this series of discussions, please consider following Understanding Projects on your favorite podcatcher or subscribing on YouTube.